live from Shelley's back room. It is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics, live on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your moderator, Justin Russell. Joining me around the table, Congressman Al Swift, Bob Hines, Carl Tuvin, Alan Moore, Dan Lipner, and Rear Admiral Ken Carradine. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for Backroom Politics. Let's join the roundtable live at Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. And good afternoon out there in Radio Land. It is Tuesday, which means it is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Back Room Politics Live. From Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. We're a little bit despaired today as we are, in fact, broadcasting from the main room here at Shelley's Back Room. Uh, We've got a bunch of events going on at Shelley's, but the show must go on. And it's going on with me, and he is the bar certified attorney from the great state of Maryland and the District of Columbia. He is longtime Biden and Democratic political operative. Dan Lipner Esquire. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing well. Glad to be here, Justin. And the big room makes it feel like we are now special when we're normally relegated to the back room. We're in the front room now. <laughs> yeah, we're in the front room now, exactly. Trump has hey, made uh, back room politics great again. Thank you. Thank you, Donald Trump. And hopefully we'll get uh, Admiral Ken, who will uh, dial in here shortly. But we have a lot to cover. The breaking news, there's so much breaking news right now. The breaking news that we have right now is right now out of Washington, D.C., we've got uh, the big news starting with the Trump transition. If you haven't noticed, uh, the Trump transition team is in, I can only call it, disarray, discombobulated. There is a lot of questions that are not being answered out of the Trump transition camp. It is really a delicate situation that Donald Trump, Mike Pence, and the rest of the Trump transition team, which includes a lot of people with the last name of Trump, they are really trying and scrambling to get all the pieces of the puzzle ready for day one. Dan, let me go to you real quick. I I mean, when we started seeing the news coming out of the Trump camp that they were putting some names in some of the places, are you shocked in your experience of dealing with presidential transitions that this in fact is happening the way it is? The short answer is yes. I am wildly surprised. So traditionally Republican or Democrat, once you are taking office the first time of being the presidency, there is a flight. A fully booked flight, actually booked is incorrect, chartered flight of simply the political insiders who are about to get appointed to every marquee job, both in the West Wing and all of the various government agencies, including the secretaries of state and defense and going fully down the list. That is almost instantaneous, with maybe the only hang-up being the top job because there's 
some some jockeying that's going on between some very noteworthy people, generally regardless of size. That isn't happening. And I remember noting that the day after the surprise uh, win by Trump, and basically everyone was surprised by it, how nothing leaked out. There were no names being floated. There was absolutely nothing. And that lack of information is still going, so much so that Rudy Giuliani, as, as uh, we were talking about off the air, has suggested what job he is going to take versus what job he might be offered. Well, you know, it, 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 it's, it's strange because one of the things that I've noticed here is that there has been no con- – the, the, the little information that is coming out of the Trump camp, in fact, has been not so much not accurate – but it's the little information that that the leaks are literally not being driven by the Trump camp. It's being by it's driven by everybody else that's jockeying for position. Is this normal? No, I mean so much. So the the only one that I can say that might be normal is the Sarah Palin item, and I only say that as normal because I think she may have been floated internally to placate. The, the Sarah Palin backers who want to believe that she may have been seriously considered for something, so they'll stay on the team. Not for a split second do I think Sarah Palin is going to be on the shortlist for anything. But then again, I right. also didn't think Donald Trump was on the shortlist to actually win anything either. Right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to reshuffle the deck. Dan Lipner is actually coming into the show right now. So we're going to take a quick 15-second break. We'll rejoin here with Dan at the table. This is Backroom Politics live from Shelley's Backroom, live on Blog Talk Radio. Stay with us. You know, everybody thinks of Shelley's Backroom as a cigar spot in Washington, D.C. You know what the reality is? It is the cigar spot in D.C. Where else can you grab a great cocktail made by world-renowned bartenders? Or where else are you going to get the finest cigar list of any restaurant in all of Washington, D.C.? And then the great food. You come for the food. It can be the campfire wings, one pound of roasted, not fried, well-seasoned, marinated jumbo chicken wings with choices of Shelly's honey mustard or blue cheese or ranch dressing. These are award-winning wings. That's why you come to Shelly's. It's the whole package. You can drink, you can smoke, have great conversation with your friends, and have a great food menu. Shelly's Back Room. 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. You know what? It is the place to be.
is backroom politics. And we're back here live at Shelley's Backroom, 1331 Street, in the heart of Washington's capital, Washington, D.C. Uh, we've kind of rejoined. Dan Lettner is joining me at the table here in the main room at Shelley's. Dan, thanks for joining us live. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. Hey, uh, so transition question. The real question that, that is really shocking about this is when we start seeing the names coming out and they have been the, the the story coming out of the Wall Street Journal's interview yesterday Giuliani. Giuliani was basically asked point blank, uh, you know, he was offered the position of attorney general, and he turned it down flat. And he said that it's beneath him and that the only job he will take is Secretary of State. Now, his name has been flown as a candidate for Secretary of State. Does this make sense? Have you ever seen a candidate for a cabinet position? try to drive the message that way? Not time. I mean, for lack of a better phrase, this simply isn't done this way. Alan, um, you, you, do, you don't drop yourself like this. There are inner circles. There are other ways of handling this, these kind of things. That said, AG might be the only thing that, uh, at least of the... AG or Homeland Security are the cabinet positions that Rudy might be qualified for, according to his resume. However, the temperament and things that he has said that are disturbing, to say the least, as AG, uh, a national stop and frisk policy would be challenging, to say the least. Right. Um, and as Secretary of State, the kind of things he has already said um, as just either mayor or a private citizen make him absolutely unsuited to be the chief U.S. diplomat at all. So it's just not done, nor is it appropriate for him to have that job. Joining us on the line right now, he is the retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy. He is Admiral Ken Carradine. Admiral, how you doing down there? I'm doing as well as can be expected, Jeff. Admiral? Admiral, can you hear us? I, I can hear you just fine, for whatever reason you can't hear me. Admiral? Oh. You must be 20,000 leagues under. Yeah, you might be 20,000 leagues. Hey, Admiral Ken, real quickly, you've seen a situation with uh, what's been going on regarding the uh, transition. Are you as shocked as everybody else in the Republican Party that this is the case? Admiral Ken? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can, Admiral Ken. Go ahead. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm having a little technical difficulties. Uh, sorry about the interface issue. No, I'm not at all surprised. Right. I'm not at all surprised. And I think if you go back and you look at the, um, I guess, the tenor of the Trump campaign uh, from almost two years ago up until one of the night, uh, everything he's done has been outside the lines. He's made a made a habit of calling outside the lines, and this is not any any different. And then also joining us right now, he is the retired, or not retired. He's the former deputy or undersecretary for commerce for international affairs. who served at Moscow under four presidents. He is longtime Senate staffer, longtime Senate uh, insider. He is Alan Moore. Alan, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. Can you hear me? 
I can hear you fine, Alan. Hey, listen, we're, we're talking, yeah, had a little, we're talking had about a little trouble, had a little trouble with the connection, but I think we're okay now. Thanks. Okay. Hey, real quickly, Alan, we're talking about the, we're, we're talking about the transition here. What surprises you most about the transition going on right now? Nothing. Nothing. Why? Nothing. Uh, it, it, we're, we're less than a week uh, out of the uh, election results. Uh, we're at the time where a lot of names get floated. Uh, a lot of names that are floated are favors to people that they feel like they owe someone to. Uh, names that will that will never get jobs. Um, I would be suspicious of any reports, any 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 about who's going to get jobs until the announcement is made. There is uh, misdirection and uh, favor doing when you put things out. So the only thing is that. Uh, Reince Priebus and uh, Steve uh, Bannon are going to be major players in the White House, even their roles are, you know, to be sort of, well, particularly Bannon's, are kind of to be resolved because uh, the chief of staff historically has to make sure that the trains run on time and that the president's uh, time is, is respected and protected and that the right people get into the room at the right time and that the right pieces of paper uh, get get uh, to the president and and get circulated ahead of time. The Bannon role is one that could take all sorts of forms, um, and uh, and it's just premature to know exactly what it will be until we get a better sense of who else uh, is part of. Well, let me ask you this question, Alan Moore. When we see the situation with Rudy Giuliani, as I talked with Dan before. Rudy Giuliani has literally come out and said, I don't want AG. It is beneath me. I want Secretary of State. Is, is this a matter of the cart trying to drive the horse, or is this something normal that we see in the jockeying for position inside a presidential transition? You don't see this. Uh, I'm very suspicious of the suggestion that he was offered the job of AG by President elect Trump. I didn't see Giuliani saying that directly. I very much doubt that that happened. Now, it's conceivable that someone like a Reince Priebus has been making a few calls to a few people and say, "Would we're thinking about, uh, you know, serious candidates for this job or that job, and we just wanted to feel you out a little bit. Um, I could see that happening. What I do not see happening, and I do not believe it would have happened, unless these guys are more incompetent than I would have guessed, is that the president called and said, would you be the attorney general? And he said, nah, well, I'll take state if you've got it. doesn't work that way, even with the new teams. So I would be flabbergasted if that had occurred. It's, it's less impossible to think that someone like Trevor, and it would have to be somebody quite senior, um, would make a few calls and say, would you want your name in the mix? Um, would you consider that? Um, it would also be surprising to me if Giuliani were so arrogant as to say, hey, gee, nah, um, uh, but maybe stay. It just, it, it, talk about a 
way to make sure you get no real job offer, that would be the way to do it. And Giuliani seems well on I guess my question, Alan, is what does Giuliani gain from taking this approach, if anything? Well, he may think, you know, he's been doing bizarre things for someone. Going to the Trump team, after Trump secured the nominee, you know, he wasn't like what you call it early enough. That's fine. There are plenty of other people like that who had another another horse in the race. Then they're the never Trumpers. And I'm guessing some of them will end up in the government. That's just my hunch. Um, and and uh, But for a Giuliani, it, it's really hard to apply any kind of normal rule of understanding to anything that guy does. Now, why would he do it? Because he thinks this is close as I'm going to get to any one of these jobs, and I might as well get a little visibility and enhance my reputation. And who the hell knows? Maybe by some crazy possible long shot, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll offer me something interesting. Having said that, Julian, I don't know Giuliani's personal financial situation. He may be, for the first time in his life, making some real dough. He's got a younger wife. He may need to accumulate some more wealth. He may not want to disclose all that he's been able to do in recent years. I have no idea of what kind of entanglements he might have. I will be shocked if he ends up in any role of significance in this administration. And you, you had a question for Alan Dan Lipner. So, Alan, Alan, what am I? I lost you. I lost I, you. Go ahead. Oh, with, with your experience in uh, government, I'm kind of curious. Rudy seems, and Secretary of State is one of those special positions that's supposed to be above politics. My question is, can you think of anyone else who was up for Secretary of State who has said as many things that would throw off the job for chief diplomat as Rudy Rudy Giuliani? I'm uncertain how he would fit in that role. Maybe I'm off there. You have more of a background there, Alan. The only time you hear people talking about their own prospects so directly and visibly is when you know they have zero chance, and they but they just want to be part of the discussion. That's sort of my historical observation, and uh, I don't see anything different here. I just think that that if that if he were serious seriously under consideration, which I doubt, that that would have ended. With uh, with his uh, with with his behavior, um, but but uh, you know, we 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 guessed we guessed wrong on a whole bunch of things. It's just that I feel pretty confident that not only will he not be Secretary of State or Attorney General, and it won't be because he turned it down uh, that I don't see him anywhere. The Homeland Security would have been the the thing for which he probably would have arguably been best suited given his experience and what his businesses are now. But I think that, that he's probably disqualified himself uh, from any, from any major post. Admiral Ken, uh, let's go back to the original announcement that came out of the Trump camp uh, late last week. And that was the naming of Reince Priebus as chief of staff. 
Does that make sense? Is is that more of a peace offering to the establishment, or is is there some hidden agenda here that we're not seeing right now? I I think it's I think it's both. Um, I think you know right previous you know throughout the campaign, um, when when Donald Trump you know more than on occasion said something that was not uh, appropriate. Uh, Reince Priebus was one of the first members of the establishment to speak out in condemnation of it. But he also, but whenever he did it, he always seemed to do it with a, a somewhat respectful tone. Uh, you know, there was not a lot of bombast whenever Reince Priebus said, said something uh, in, in um, criticism of Donald Trump's actions or words. Uh, two, um, Reince Priebus has a great relationship with Paul Ryan. Uh, they go they go way back, um, and I think that uh, the the uh, the predictions that Paul Ryan is done as the speaker may or may not be true. Uh, if anyone can basically uh, Paul Ryan in his seat, it's probably Reince Priebus. Uh, and finally, um, you know, the, the bridge to the uh, the establishment uh, part of the party. Been burned down except for a narrow thread or two. And if anyone can help rebuild that, it's like So I think that, you know, I, I think as, as difficult as it is to use the word brilliant in the same sense as Donald Trump, um, I, I think much, much worse moves could have been made in the selection of a chief of staff. And speaking of Paul Ryan, Dan Lipner, today uh, in other breaking news, I mean, there's so many breaking news points that are coming out today. Uh, the breaking news came out today that uh, Paul Ryan was unanimously nominated as the Speaker of the House for the coming 115th Congress. I think the better choice of words would be by acclamation, literally. Was- this, this, was a, this was a green card or a green light, rather, for Paul Ryan. Yeah, green cards aren't getting handed out anymore <laughs> under President Trump. <laughs> this is a this is a this is a green light for Paul Ryan to really set his base in the House. Is, is, is this a mandate from the party? It's a way of cleaning up or avoiding a mess. So the idea that there was a fight and an issue for Paul Ryan would continue to show there's an issue within the Republican Party. While I have no doubt the bomb throwers that are in the Tea Party realm are still out there and will be yelling and crying once policy moves start happening, it's silenced at least from now to the inauguration on January 20th. Once policy starts moving forward, that's going to be something different. Alan Moore, is this a mandate? Does this silence the Tea Party in the House? Well, it silences Tea Party in terms of who the leader is going to be. But we we talked last week about how the fact that 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 <laughs> that Trump needs Ryan and Trump has shown uh, an openness to to learning things. And it looked to me a, a, a week ago that uh, that he was going to embrace Ryan in a big way. Um, the 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 appointment of of Priebus, uh, uh, it is consistent with that, and it also recognizes the fact that that Trump and Priebus developed a good, a solid relationship over the course of the campaign. He it, at 3:30 in the morning when he was uh, giving his his first remarks after 
uh, being declared the victor, um, he he brought Priebus forward up onto the stage and, and embraced him and said, this is a great guy. And the skill set that Priebus brings is so needed uh, that that he was the obvious choice for for chief of staff. He knows everybody. Everybody seems to like him. And Trump knows enough about running a big organization to know that he needs the help of somebody who's very well organized. And so it didn't surprise me at all. Uh, it, what would have surprised me is if he'd gone in some other direction. Um, and and so uh, and and then the, the the fact that that Trump embraced Ryan in the meeting and everything was great and complimentary and Trump has made comments about that was then this is now was a foregone conclusion that it would be Ryan now the Tea Partiers <laughs> their problem isn't going to it used to be they had a problem with Ryan I think their new problem as Dan points out is going to be as we get into the next year and start doing real things their bigger problem policy wise is going to be with the president more so than Ryan but yeah, but doesn't the appointment of Bannon pose a little bit of a of an issue for the incoming president? A little bit. I would have been shocked if, after pulling in a new team, succeeding spectacularly, Bannon operating behind behind the scenes, Kellyanne Conway being the more the more visible one. Um, him relying on a very small circle of key people, the roles of which were 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 basically uh, obscured. But I would have been absolutely shocked if he had not brought in a guy who was operating as the so-called CEO for something that uh, exceeded all expectations. Now. We're hearing about what a horrible, terrible person this guy is because an organization that he ran had some very provocative articles o- over time, none of which he wrote, so far as I know. And uh, whether the guy's a racist or not remains to be seen. Um, certainly there were... There, there... <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, Alan. Dan wants to chime in on that. No, 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 no. Uh, so, so, so I'm willing to go a lot of ways on a lot of things, but, but Steve Bannon is a bit more problematic than just running the organization. The, the overt racist, sexist, bigoted stuff about take, take your pick that the, of the organization that he was running is not something you can gloss over and saying, well, it just happens to be one of the many things this organization does. Well, no, no, wait a minute. Breitbart is the U.S. mail just delivering things. The content is also part of the Breitbart. Wait, 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 wait. Let's be clear about this. I mean, let's be fair. I mean, I've by no means the biggest Trump supporter in the world. And quite frankly, I am not a fan of Bannon being the Trump whisperer in this instance. This... Yeah, I'll give that to him. But but to say that he is an outright racist, he's an outright bigot, I don't think is fair. The stuff that his people write is, is the stuff that his people write, but he doesn't have total control over that, or does he? Of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
the the running of your organization that you have complete editorial control of. Of course you have control. But 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 Alan Alan Moore, am I being unfair or am I being fair to Bannon in in the selection as the chief advisor? So, you know, I I'm not going to defend some of the stuff that's been in Breitbart News, and I'm and and I think that that uh, Bannon at some fairly early point will probably have to do an interview with somebody where he can explain himself to the to the nation because this has become a problem. What a great relief to Donald Trump that the that that the media and the the uh, the still angry um, uh, Democrats uh, stunned from their loss uh, are no longer beating the hell out of Trump, but are now beating the hell out of uh, out of Bannon. Um, but we have a lot to learn about Bannon, and it's useful to to not define uh, a guy by some number of articles in an enterprise he's run for about two years, I think, um, and, uh, and reflect on where the guy came from, what else he's done in his life. Um, as, as you all know, I'm sure, uh, after his undergraduate work, um, at Virginia tech, he got a master's in security studies at Georgetown. He got an MBA from Harvard. He spent some time at the London school of economics, he was uh, uh, with Goldman Sachs uh, in New York City. He started his own investment firm. He got involved in Hollywood and media properties and so on. The guy has done a lot of stuff. And everybody who worked with him in this campaign, particularly Priebus and others, said thoughtful, really smart, um, uh, has a, an, an amazing view of the world. And... Um, and he's got some explaining to do, which he's a grown-up. He should uh, he should be able to explain. But it's 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 amusing to me how much people are surprised that a Trump would reward a guy who obviously played everything about the man based on some ugly, admittedly ugly articles uh, uh, that that appeared. In uh, in this online publication, so we'll see, we'll see. But and, let me go to let me go to Admiral Ken real quick. Admiral Ken, you know, as an African American, as a Republican, does Mike does, does Bannon pose an issue for you as being the key Trump whisperer as his chief strategist? Well, you know, I I I've. I've had more than uh, an hour or two to, to you know, to um, to contemplate the the Trump presidency with regard to uh, race relate race relations, and um, my, I guess the direct answer to your question is I don't know. I'm going to take the Saturday Night Live Dave Chappelle approach to this. I'm going to give the man and his people a chance. Uh, I think that it is not um, constructive. Um, to basically uh, criticize and denigrate these guys before they come in, you know, you know, Trump, Trump ran on a record uh, that that would have killed, politically killed any other any other candidate, and yet we're we're talking about a president-elect uh, 
Trump and, and his potential party. So I, I think, you know, right now, I don't, I think the answer, my direct answer to the question again is I don't know. And I'm going to try and give these people a chance. Dan Lipner, when we start looking downstream, and we, we talked about Reince Priebus, the importance he's going to have in the Trump administration. We've talked about uh, Bannon's role. As we go looking down, we talked a little bit about Giuliani's role as Secretary of State. Uh, who are some of the other players that might be in play for Secretary of State? I know one has been Newt Gingrich. Are there any others that you know of? Uh, there's what's his name, the former UN ambassador, whose name is John, John Bolton. Bolton. Uh, who, if you want to talk about temperamental unfitness, uh, he's probably pretty high on the list. But you can't say he's unqualified, but temperamentally unfit. Um, Jeff Sessions has been floating around for a few spots. He seems to be the only person of true insider political weight, the uh, the senior uh, senator from Alabama uh, that was with Trump from the beginning. So under the Molly Ivins rule, you got to dance with them that brung you. Jeff Session was there from the beginning, so he's kind of earned something. Alan Moore, or Alan Moore, one of the names we've also heard is uh, Senator Corker, the current chairman of Senate Foreign Relations. Is there any sort of legitimacy to that rumor, do you think? Absolutely. He's chairman of the, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, gets high marks from, uh, from Republicans and Democrats, uh, He's got a he's got a an easy temperament. Uh, he's been in the Senate now, I think uh, it's eight or ten years, and has really focused in on foreign relations, which is interesting, given that he came to the Senate having been mayor of Nashville. But he got onto the Foreign Relations Committee. He took it seriously. A lot of people uh, roll into and then out of that committee. He decided to stay on it. He rose very, very fast um, uh, in terms of developing seniority. And all of a sudden, he finds himself the chairman. He gets along extremely well with the ranking Democrat, Ben Cardin, uh, from Maryland. I I think Corker is the kind of guy that's much more likely to be picked than the firebrand uh, uh, Newt Gingrich. Um, We've already uh, tossed uh, uh, Giuliani to the side. And there, there are... There are no doubt, uh, you know, a few others. The problem with Bolton for Trump be uh, that Bolton has a very assertive and aggressive view of America's role in the world. He wanted to go into Iraq before 9/11. He wanted to go into Iraq at the end of the 90s. Uh, he wants to go back into Iraq in a much bigger way. Um, he his is a you know he, he's kind of a, the ultimate neocon, and and he seems to espouse views that are contrary to what we know and can guess of where Trump comes from. So I would be shocked if Bolton uh, were were to get the nod. I just shoulders above any of them, not just in terms of his qualifications, but in terms of the likelihood that Trump on reflection and thinking about it uh, might pick it. 
Dan Lipner, is is the issue with Josh Bolton is is John Bolton too hawkish for State Department right now? I mean, you have a president elect who said he was against the Iraq War from the get go, who has criticized the current president for his foreign policy, getting us into reckless entanglements, who has criticized the previous president for his reckless entanglements, having a secretary of state who is very much on the record saying, not only do I want more entanglements, but I want more soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines on the ground and in the air and in the water fighting other battles. Yeah, I think that would be a problematic appointment. (laughs) (laughs) But Alan Alan Moore, uh, it, it, it seems to me as we look downstream also, uh, one of the, na- the, the the one name that we've heard constantly, constantly brought around as almost a lock is Jeff Sessions, not so much for Secretary of State, but I keep hearing through circles inside D.C. that Jeff Sessions is probably a lock for Secretary of Defense. Does that make sense for the Trump nope. administration? Nope. Sessions is much more likely to be the attorney general. He was a federal judge. Really? Why, why, uh, why not Sessions for SECDA? I don't think that his experience has been in the, uh, in the, in the defense sector. sector. Uh, uh, I, think he's, I think he's more likely to be the AG. And I agree with, with what Dan was saying about uh, wanting to reward him. He was, he was out there all alone among senators backing Trump from early on. Um, yeah. You know, maybe Sessions. I like being a senator. Um, you know, it's not everybody who wants to just jump in and 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 give up what they were doing before and try try something new and different, uh, extraordinarily demanding. Um, people can get comfortable in the roles they have, or they can be exhausted from it and want to try something new. I don't know about. Sessions. I don't see him being Secretary of Defense. Again, I do see him uh, as a real possibility for, uh, uh, for justice. What, what about uh, some of the other names that I've heard for possible Secretary of Defense? Uh, the Senator from Missouri, Jim Talent, or former National Security Advisor, Stephen Hadley. Do any of those make sense for Trump? I think Hadley, Hadley's an interesting guy because he, he, you know, there were, there were a number of uh, former senior officials from uh, Republican administrations who signed on to a letter saying, we don't trust this guy. We don't think he should be given the nuclear codes. We don't think he's temperamentally fit to, to, to head the country. Um, Hadley never signed any of that stuff. And uh, I, 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 I don't know that that stuff is disqualifying. You know, that may sound strange because Trump is known that, you know, remember his enemies, but nothing like, being the victor to make you a little more gracious about some of your former enemies. If you look at some of the things he has said about the Bush family before and recently, it's 180 degrees uh, different. Um, Marco Rubio is somebody that he's going to have to work with. And, and, uh, and I'm, you know, it's like, Hey, by, let's let bygones be bygones. And I think, Trump has the kind of temperament that will allow that to happen. Doesn't mean he can't turn on a dime against you, as we've seen. But but uh, 
So, so I, I think it's, it's Hadley, uh, who ended up being the, the national security advisor to Bush at the end after Condoleezza Rice moved over to the State Department, classy, smart uh, guy who, uh, who I, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see somewhere really important um, in the administration. He, he's a candidate for Secretary of State himself. I don't know if he would want to go back in and be National Security Advisor again. I don't know about defense um, uh, for for him, just given his background and experience. Um, but but I think there are going to be names that are going to surprise that emerge in the course of this. Remember, Trump didn't come in with a stable of people that he knew and he's known for a long time. Um, ideologically, he's shown a remarkable flexibility on all sorts of issues, and I think that that uh, that he's not. Uh, tied down to one particular type of ideology in, in the in the people he looks at. So I'm I'm looking for for any number of surprises. Dan Lipner, well, arguably that he's already surprised some folks. And while I would tend to agree that you would need somebody who knows how to navigate Washington, Trump did say he wants to drain the swamp that is D.C. It's sort of looking like he's not draining the swamp, but investing in an airboat. <laughs> he's filling it with alligators? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's some sense to that, but, but here's the bigger question, Alan Moore, is when you talk about the outsiders, when you talk about the transition, the one name that's kind of fallen off the radar has been the governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. Uh, is, 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 are the indications that, that uh, Chris Christie might be on the outside looking in. Is that real, do you think? <laughs> I, I think we can assume that that's true. He, he was heading the transition team, and then all of a sudden he wasn't. Um, he's got, a, well, one, he's got a full-time job, supposedly, as governor of New Jersey. He's got real big-time exposure and explaining to do and possible legal exposure over the Bridgegate scandal. Um, and and uh, and he apparently he reportedly has a whole other uh, another problem in the inner circle. Now remember, you know Trump has a very small inner circle, which is uh, which which gives him a lot of flexibility. On the one hand, on the other hand, he's he's so thin that he's he's vulnerable to coming under the influence of of somebody who might make a lot of sense to him. Now he's people he's always been closest to are his three oldest children and one son-in-law. And I would argue that the two out of that four who are the most important to him are his daughter, Ivanka, and her husband, Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner's father was prosecuted by Chris Christie years ago. So there's... You can't make this stuff up. There is some history that uh, is hard to ignore. I'll say one other thing about Kushner. This is not speaking. Eric Kushner is Jewish. Ivanka Trump converted to Judaism when she married Kushner. They have four children, and the children are all Jewish. So when, when one gets all 
you know, convinced and certain that Trump is anti-Semitic, that that Bannon is anti-Semitic. There's all these anti-Semitic folks around there. I say, you know something? Two of the four people who are the closest to him in his life and probably the two most influential advisors happen to be Jewish. Now, none of that means that, that you can be certain about anything, but you can certainly find yourself nudged in a big direction about uh, Trump and what he would tolerate uh, around him when, uh, when his daughter, his son-in-law, and his grandchildren. So uh, I don't know. I'm not accusing uh, Kushner of uh, I'm just wanting and the transition rose up to become a much more serious enterprise. The other thing we're saying about transition is Trump himself has said he didn't spend that much time thinking about transition because he's superstitious and he didn't want to jinx himself. He didn't want to get ahead of himself and uh, talk about, you know, who might serve and what sort of capacity and how to move forward on, on transition. So I don't know what all Christie was doing in setting stuff up, but whatever it was, it was moving at a very slow speed, kind of outside the view of the then candidate Trump. And now that he's president elect, it's like, oh, my God, we've got a lot of catching up to do. And and by the way, uh, Mr. Vice President elect, I have learned to like you and respect you and the way you operate. And I want you to now head up this most important task. And uh, and, and Chris, thanks for your service. So, all right, Alan, we're going to we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to continue the discussion of transition. We're going to also talk about the little problem that the Democrats have. Not only there are no problems whatsoever. You have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. We're going to take a break. This is Backroom Politics Live from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington D.C. We will be back in two minutes. Stay with us. You know, Shelley's Backroom has been hosting Backroom Politics for You know, Shelley's Backroom has been hosting Backroom Politics for seven years. Seven years. It's still unbelievable we've been doing it that long. But make no mistake about it, Shelley's Backroom is one of a kind in Washington, D.C., Shelley's is a comfortable retreat for cigar aficionados and those who simply want to unwind. The casual but elegant space features soft lighting, cozy couches, and overstuffed chairs. Shelley's Back Room is a cigar-friendly establishment, but the state-of-the-art air purification system keeps the atmosphere comfortable for smokers and non-smokers alike. Sit back and enjoy yourself while chatting with friends or watching one of the eight high-definition TVs, or come by any Tuesday, enjoy your favorite cigar or one of the signature cocktails, and watch how backroom politics is made. Convenient to public transportation and the sites of the nation's capital, Shelley's is easily dividable to accommodate intimate gatherings or large-scale special events. 
Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. As Bob says, it's the place to be. And we're back here live at Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. It's the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics live on Blog Talk Radio for a kind of dis, uh, kind of a disjointed kind of main room, kind of how would you call this? I well, I mean, we are generally disjointed. Uh, <laughs> this might be dislocated. 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 <laughs> Joining us on the line is our favorite Undersecretary of Commerce, Alan Moore from a remote location that is undisclosed. Hey, Alan, let's get to the discussion real quick and talk for a second about some of the other people. One of the, one of the names that was brought to my attention that we haven't talked about but was a key figure in the campaign, in fact, was Kellyanne. Uh, Kellyanne, right now, all indications that I'm hearing from the Trump camp is probably going to be either press secretary or comms director. Is that a downgrade for Kellyanne? Hell yes, it's a downgrade. Well, let Helen answer. I don't know why Dan's so certain it's a downgrade. Uh, Her old job is gone. It won't be around again for for another four years. Uh, She had a lot of visibility. She graded on some people. Uh, She 
She obviously pleased uh, others. Uh, she certainly enhanced her uh, her personal reputation. Um, she's got some small children, um, and I obviously she figured out some way to to uh, to to deal with that uh, in the in the last few months. But remember, it was a few months, and so she 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 you know a lot of people can do a lot of things for a few months if they know that they're going to emerge uh, from it. I don't, I don't know uh, enough about uh, her, her personal life to, to know how much time she's going to be able to devote over the next couple of years. She could go probably <laughs> make, some, make some serious money without working too hard, uh, writing a book, uh, being a talking head on, uh, uh, on some of the talk shows. Uh, I think that the Trump is, would be very interested in keeping her around and, and giving her something. I think that that probably uh, director of communications would be more logical than than uh, than, than the, the press uh, secretary person. But you know, I, I don't know how they're going to fill that out and do it. I I, I, I she's we will have an option or two inside. Um, well, Alan, 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 let, let, let me break in real quick and ask you this question. As far as press secretary goes, she had a lot of visibility in the news cycles. Was she effective as a good spokesman for Trump in the campaign? Could that parlay into her being a good press secretary, do you think? Well, it, you know, there's a lot to be said for being comfortable talking to press people and being hit from all sides. Um, now, when you're a candidate, it's actually simpler in terms of the kinds of subjects that come up than when you're the press secretary, where you have to be prepared uh, daily to talk about uh, all manner of events uh, in the world and in, and in America. I'm not saying she doesn't have the ability to do that, the question is whether she has uh, the interest and desire. It, you, you really have to be briefing yourself every day on what it is that we're going to say. Hello, I'm still here. politics.